Hello, everybody, and welcome to this free episode of TF. And you'll note that no one is saying anything in radio voice, which means that Milo is not with us this week. Uh, he's off at a special Keir Starmer voice training boot camp. Uh, yeah, that's right. He's getting voice coaching to sound more like Keir Starmer. He's getting facial Keirization surgery, <laughs> where they just they're adding chin and jowl to him so it's like a form of mewing but yeah. at the, you, you instead of becoming like the chad you become the care yeah that's right <laughs> sort of centrist dysphoria you look in the mirror and you're astonished and horrified to find that you have principles and uh however sitting in with for milo today is thomas omani the host of the beneath the skin podcast the one of the hosts of lions led by donkeys good friend to all of us here in the studio and long time coming on the mic how's it going oh thank you very much for having me it's uh it feels weird sitting here but uh, i'm very happy to be here mm. it's it's your mm. own voice you're cutting if you do over talk <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just don't want to create too much work for myself <laughs> You finally achieved supply teacher status, Riley, and, and actually deployed an unironic, it's your own time you're wasting. <laughs> Look, everybody knows that aside from wanting to have the right gravel for the garden, I just want the children to stay in line. I'm, I'm the mm -hmm, podcasting yeah. equivalent of like when the teacher rolls the TV into the mm -hmm. room. It's like, okay, you have this now instead of a lesson. Instead of Milo doing bits, you have just the hired Irishman. That's right. Um, <laughs> oh, I used to love lessons at school where we had the hired Irishman. <laughs> uh, well, look, you have to hire them nowadays. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, you can't just kidnap us and send us to, you know, like, Barbados. It's not even becoming gangs anymore. What's the world coming to, you know? Look, it's because of woke, you can no longer press gang the Irish, and I think that's a disgrace. Hey, mm. everyone says British politics really went to shit when the threat of the Irish really fell apart, so, you know... <laughs> all right all right so um we are actually going to be talking all about tattooing today because i have found well i found one and you found another very um us tattooing startups i really didn't expect i should have known better i've been doing this show for years i should have known that the two that the two of the various genders of startup we talk about no surveillance tattoos not yet but some of the other ones right they both, of course, they would be in every single industry, and why not tattooing? And uh, when I read about my one, I was just like hit after hit after hit. They do everything that we like talking about. Yeah, you sent this to me the other morning when I was on the bus to the studio, and I was reading it just going, what the fuck? Who actually like thought this was a good idea? And of course, as I found out, it's people that, one, don't have any tattoos, and two, don't actually know anything about tattoos. Mm -hmm. mm. However... Before we get to all of that, um, I want to do a little bit of news and then the Promise Neom update. Um, the, the news, of course, that we're going to be talking about is... Uh, it's all bad, folks. Yeah. Well, Surprisingly. Yeah, it's, it's all bad. Um, it's the, I'd say, the continual not under performative not understanding of things in UK politics continues apace. Um, as an SNP motion supporting a ceasefire in Gaza is voted down, um, whipped down by, uh, by Labour, uh, of course voted down by the Tories. Well, at the same time, uh, the Supreme Court struck down the Tories' uh, sort of Rwanda deportation plans, uh, causing the Tories to then say, well, I guess we're going to try to end the Supreme Court, which I suppose you could say also ends the UK's, what, like, two-decade-long experiment with having a Supreme Court? Yeah, two, 2009. Yeah, oh, less. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, all, I'm, and all I'm seeing is uh, the managerial wings of the two parties yet again trying to hold, hold everyone together along... Um, Lines that are, say, unpopular among their, among like, uh, their more sort of, let's say, impassioned, committed supporters, and yet the center uh, cannot seem to hold. Yet again, the center is not holding. I, mean, I, I do want to say, first of all, we have to acknowledge that probably our most easily called shot has actually transpired now, and Suella Braverman is now out mm -hmm. as Home Secretary. Um, but this now does lead to the situation where 
the deal, the Rwanda deal has been uh, struck down, and the guy who has been told to implement it now, James Cleverly, is like sort of more or less on record privately calling it batshit, and is just going to do it anyway. Mm. Um, so, you know, two great moments of principles in British politics. The plan is to make a law declaring Rwanda a safe country. To send yeah, which is not going to work because it, it it it'll work domestically. You can make the Supreme Court pretend that Rwanda is safe, but you can't make uh, the European Court of Human Rights do it. And so the noise after this is, oh, we should just like leave the ECHR. Mm. Um, that's the sort of like the Lee Anderson demand is: first of all, defy the Supreme Court and put planes in the air anyway, and second of all, leave the ECHR, um, which would be disastrous and insane and so therefore you know maybe they're going to make a run at it i don't know we'll see how far the kind of like leash of managerialism extends i mean like to be fair given the current revolving door of british politics i think we're about two months away from the tories trying to resurrect oswald mosley <laughs> yeah i mean th I, this is basically what they did was they tried to create a, a cabinet of like you know diverse modern mosleys they're, they're, um, and they're playing like the Yu-Gi-Oh Exodia cards, trying to <laughs> reassemble Oswald's Mosley. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's what we talked about last episode in the bonus about revolutionary conservatism, right? Is that everyone mm. is a revolutionary conservative until, it, until the revolution of conservatism starts looking at an institution that you happen to like, right? Mm -hmm. But the difference is, right, is that the conservative party is designed to facilitate orderly revolutionary conservatism. And so having done what they've done for the last several years, they're now just going to then look at the European the ECHR. They're, got, they're already like gearing up. You can see the columnists sort of starting to throw this stuff at the wall to see what sticks. But saying, ah, treaty obligations, those were designed for a time when those were designed for a time of global instability, conflict, and mass migrations of people under increasingly difficult, say, uh, pr conditions for production of food and like the provision of energy in the developing world, very much unlike today. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, we, 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 why bother with them? Well, those were designed for times of like black and white films and people moving slightly too quickly because they hadn't figured out how to regularize the film speed yet. Yeah, um, yeah. Whereas now, now in our sort of modern camera phone age, these things, you know, mm. are passe. Well, it's, yeah, it's at, at the tilt. Those were for when the height of comedy was, was like sticking your head into a uh, fireplace and coming out with soot all over your face. That was the, when those were designed for. It wasn't designed for our, well, that happened era. So really, it's a kind of counterpoint to trying to bring back Oswald Mosley's, we need to bring back Buster Keaton then. We need to bring back guys <laughs> dancing to yakety sacks, houses falling over, you know. We need Once you start bringing back guys, you know, where will it end? Mm -hmm. Bring back Ramses the second. That's what I say. Why not? <laughs> Look, that's what that's what we need to sort of, to sort out the, the bloody EU and to get rid of Frontex. Is the Sea Peoples have to make a return? Or alternatively, we'll fix Israel Palestine as well because it's a one state solution, but the state is Egypt and like pharaonic <laughs> Egypt. <laughs> okay, perfect. That is the solution we have that's going to make everybody the most mad, which is restore the pharaoh of the upper and lower kingdom <laughs> and then have them also restore their like Levantine empire. But we need to balance that out. I think. Iraq should be. It's, a, it's an it's an ancient land claim, you know, thousands of years old. Mm. Uh, there's archaeological finds showing that there's an Egyptian presence there. <laughs> we need um, we need uh, also to then maybe give I don't know the neo Babylonians a nuclear a nuclear weapon so that they can counterbalance Egyptian influence in the. Many say the nuclear weapon is the chariot of the modern age. Uh, so they can counterbalance it. I've been listening to Tides of History again. Yeah, you never hear anyone talking about, no, no, Ag Agamemnon the Great. We need to create a new balance of justice. That is, is the feather equal to a drop from the puddle? Oh, but yeah. on, on, on <laughs> If you don't drink from the puddle, Amit the Devourer calls you gay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, the other thing I, I was briefly mentioning, these sort of, um, let's say, developments in parliamentary politics, I was mentioning a, a motion for a ceasefire in Gaza earlier. Um, that was put forward by the SNP, and uh, 50 Labour MPs, including Jess Phillips, uh, went... Yep, 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 you don't have to hand it to her. She doesn't have principles. She just has a very Muslim constituency, yep. and she doesn't want to lose her seat. Yep, because then she'll have to, like, she'll have to write slightly different books, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the thing... Well, you won't get all the expenses and stuff. But the interesting thing about this is that, like, you think that like so much of it motivated in the UK is about this kind of like 
respectable constituency electoral politics. Whereas you look at in Ireland yesterday, a country that has been very, very pro-Palestine for, for the past like good few years, and there's a long-standing Irish and Palestinian solidarity. Like we voted down a motion to expel the Israeli uh, ambassador yesterday. And just goes to show that, like, how much of it runs so deep underneath even the most, from the outside, like, charitable perspectives of, like, oh, the Irish government and parties like Sinn Féin are, like, sympathetic with the Palestinian struggle, but you won't expel the ambassador? Mm. Well, the, uh, in, in, in our case, right, the, um, what, what we had was a, an, an, a cease, a, an amendment call to the King's speech calling for a ceasefire. Uh, Keir Starmer said, and, uh, said, hang on. We're not going to vote for that. We're going to propose our own amendment to the King's speech in this regard, uh, which will criticize, I'm quoting here, criticize how Israel has conducted a war, but stop short of calling for a ceasefire and instead fall into line with the USA requesting four hour humanitarian pauses. It, yeah, the Israelis should be able to try again. Mm. Yeah, the Isra mm. it's that, look, you need, you, you fi might find upwards of four, five knives in the basement of a hospital and then you have to like take four hours and try it again but um here essentially said that starmer essentially said uh, a ceasefire is not appropriate because it would freeze the conflict and embolden hamas but if, if only we had some kind of like keir starmer impression just on deck sadly <laughs> yeah but the to freeze the conflict would be beneficial at this point surely it would be it would be a lesser of two evils yeah uh, I mean, the to, the ceasefire is the compromise position, right? Like mm. at this point, because the Israelis have already gone in right. and they're not leaving. Mm. So to just kind of like stay where they are, having already uh, created this like massive humanitarian crisis in Gaza, is uh, yeah. I mean, Akira is sort of like accidentally correct that it's it's still going to have bad outcomes, but not for the reason that he thinks it is. Well, the, the issue here is that, so well, I mean, from, from what I understand, there's a sort of acknowledgement that at this point, the Israelis aren't really going to listen to anyone anyway, right? Mm. So this, you know, whatever way this was going to happen, this was, this was very much more of like a stake your own position because like materially, nothing is really going to sort of, you know, they're not really going to change. So this was very much, not to say that it wasn't important as like a signaling measure, um, but it wasn't, you know, I, I've seen some criticism like, oh, you, you know, uh, the Labour, like no, like the Israelis and Netanyahu are not going to listen to the Labour Party, and that's why Keir Starmer's position is actually smart. Um, but really, what it comes down to is like he did not want to say the word ceasefire. So if you read like what he's written, there's a lot of stuff which like basically says it without saying the line. And it's not to say that like this was, you know, the the Labour amendment was just as good. But what seems very evident is that he did not want to say the words "I am calling for a ceasefire," mm. and that seems to be. The important thing because of the way that all of this has been spun uh or you know and I, i'm not and I, I don't even think convincingly but like among british media types obviously and then british political types uh both of which are basically interchangeable to a to a degree um saying ceasefire is really shorthand in this word for i support Hamas completely, which mm. is a really weird because I think you're right. So, like, uh, just a really <coughs> clean audio. You say, I support, <laughs> I support Hamas yeah. completely. Uh, but, but look, I am shaking my head to show that I disagree with it. Um, but like the point, the point being that the way that this has been spun ultimately means that you know you can't. Well, he yeah, he's not he's not saying the word ceasefire, and like one of the kind of criticisms is that. You just need to say the word, mm. Kier. You need to say the word. And the problem well, then is- Say the is, word, yeah, Kier, or, the or Ray will have to do it <laughs> <Exactly>. again. Because <laughs> <laughs> the thing is that like, the reason why, if this is a kind of like a materially useless vote, if it's only a vote of conscience, the only reason why you would have it as a whipped vote instead of as a vote of conscience is because you want to demonstrate to the US that you are going to be a sort of like suitable uh, sort of- Allied leader who is mm. going to be able to like marshal the parliamentary party behind you for whatever bullshit they want you to do. Yeah, and and one of the main reasons, right, that that they just keep rumbling through Gaza, turning it into like a, a glassed desert, basically, right. One of the only reasons that they are able to do that is because in the in the UN Security Council of the sort of, of the countries in in Western Europe and North America, both the governing and oppo opposition parties all agree that they should be doing that. If the if it, that is that is why the the support goes so deep that it's it is universal all all major parties. Well, it, and it also sort of exposes a darker thing, which is like 
you know, so one of the criticisms that that are made in that's made in bad faith about the protesters is that, you know, they keep saying like they keep saying their sentence uh, from the river to the sea, and they're not saying stuff like we are calling for a two-state solution along 1967 lines. But even then, not. but even <laughs> but even then, we're willing to be flexible. Please don't get mad at us. Um, calling for a one pharaonic empire. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's what I'll be. Uh, that's what my placard will be saying this on the, in the next protest. No, you just have uh, to, the next <laughs> one, You just have to wear the crown, <laughs> the double crown. Well, I, I, think, <laughs> I think. I think maybe uh, okay, see copyright TM. That's what we're gonna do <laughs> like, for the next live yeah. show. We're all gonna wear the yeah. crown of the upper. <laughs> but I think the uh, ceasefire creates a perfect balance because it allows for a perfect, you know, puddle feather equivalence of. There's the one word they all want to say and the one word that they don't. Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I think the other thing, too, is that, I mean, one of the points, one of the aims of the Hamas attacks, right, was to completely psychologically unbalance and sort of, like, expose all of Israel's politics and all of its, uh, its policy. And, you know, it, it's kind of this thing, if you look at previous Israeli, like, um, you know, operations, if I can use that word, uh, they talk about having like two clocks, right? You have you have like a military clock and you have a diplomatic clock, and at mm. some point the kind of the goodwill runs out, and the Americans tell you you have to stop bombing Beirut, or you have to stop bombing Gaza, or whatever, and they do it. And now there's a real distinction where it's like, no, everyone is going mask off on the basis that like uh, there's been a kind of profound psychological shock that's happened. They've done the um, yeah, they've done the vibe shift. Mm. Yeah, the the vibe shift has absolutely <laughs> happened. Like, yeah, I, I think the, yeah. the the only silver lining of this is that a lot of people are being made very, very uh, sort of abruptly aware of exactly how well, nuts yeah. Israel is. Well, I suppose this is this is sort of where I'm kind of stuck because not not stuck, but I'm sort of confused about where this all goes because. The way that I, I think you're right in the sense of look, like thinking about previous operation or like previous military operations they've done because of like how short the, these these operations have been, um, the cycle sort of between like oh these people are really going at it maybe a bit too much to then like you know well well you know now fighting's over and you know this was just a limited operation. The fact that this is yeah, not we can make the sad movies about how bad we all felt. The fact that this that. is not happening is sort of changing. Seems to be sort of changing overall perspective, which is also why it feels like. Reading the stuff like written by defenders of the IDF makes me feel like I'm going insane because, like, mm. you know, because you have to push those boundaries. Like, you know, the whole thing about oh well, the IDF are like a really, uh, you know, they they are a really precise military and they would never the most and, moral army and, and, in the world. And, and they would never bomb a hospital. To like actually bombing hospitals are, is is good in some cases. Um, like mm. the way that this has sort of been pushed, but it, to me, it sort of speaks to something much bigger, which is that. You know, for all the sort of postulation about, you know, why why aren't like pro-Palestinian people talking about a two-state solution? Uh, when they say this, they actually want to wipe out Israel, blah, blah, blah. Like, really what seems to sort of be the case is the, like America and Europe, for the most part, have kind of accepted that like Israel doesn't want a two-state solution. Well, Israel um, wants to, mm. to have everyone in Gaza move to Europe or America. Right. And, well, and, and but, Europeans and Americans are saying, great, fine, we'll do it. We're, let's all participate in a, in, a, in a process of ethnic cleansing, but much more directly now. But I, I guess like the sort of thing to sort of acknowledge then is that, well, well you know, even whatever happens, what seems to be the case is that what they have now figured out is in order to like support Israel at this point means having to accept that the humanity of the Palestinians or the Gazans just does, they, they just don't see, they can't see that anymore. Mm. Like the, yeah, the, the only the kind of like the, the Israeli internal line has just become external because it was always like that internal. But also the, you, but also the Americans and to, to a certain extent, like the British line has very much been the same, which is like, well, if you want to have a politics that, or if you want to have a political system that is sort of US adjacent and therefore Israel, like adjacent to Israel, like, at this point, the only thing you can do to really rationalize what's happening, the only way that you can sort of really think about, like, or to sort of say that like this was the right thing to happen, is to sort of say that no, the Palestinians were disposable people. And I think that's like a really mm. dangerous mm -hmm. kind of thing to go. And I don't even say precedent because like it's kind of happened before. We've seen it in Syria a lot. But you know, the fact that this is now very much in for you know, because I guess for people who weren't paying attention to Syria very much. Or like had lost, you know, had lost sort of attention. This is like a very acute and very visual case study of like, oh, this is what happens when you are just sort of deemed to be irrelevant for existence at this point. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't think we have seen like even the beginning of the sort of like 
historical repercussions of this because we're sitting i i think you're right that you know this syria um you know armenia too we're kind of like setting down a blueprint for what like what statecraft is going to be in the 21st century and uh yeah to no one's surprise the answer is going to be genocide well it seems. if if you assume most of a we're gonna. I'm readying the jarring change in tone, Bell. By the way, <laughs> mm -hmm, but if yeah. you assume right that 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 in the absence of states having positive projects of what they can do for you, and instead only really able to say we can benefit you, but at the expense of someone mm. else, maybe we won't even give you anything. We're just gonna punish people we know you don't like or enrage them or whatever to, at different levels. I mean, all of that is just if it's, if that's just what we say that states do now, then. Uh, then what we were doing is you're saying, well, this 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 actor with a monopoly and the legitimate use of force is designed to antagonize people that are not that are not favored by the in group. That's it, right? Then mm. that I think that is that's what we've seen statecraft, foreign and domestic, become. I I think pretty comprehensively. Um, yeah, and I, I the backlash to that I don't even know what that looks like, <clears throat> but I I think it's fair to say that. In a like in a month, right? Biden has squandered more. Maybe goodwill isn't the right word, but I think he's done more damage to the U.S.'s reputation worldwide than mm. than Bush did in decades. Yeah, like it's insane. And Rishi Sunak uh, you know, would have accomplished it, that as well, but we were already in the <sighs> toilet. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like. There's there's zoomers on TikTok who are get like uh, radicalizing themselves with Osama bin Laden's uh, like letter to America now. So that's mm -hmm. that's great. That's cool. Yeah, we're um, we're going to get the weirdest combination of TikTok brain of from the past six months of people internalizing Ted Kaczynski's manifesto with Osama bin Laden. <laughs> so, because the, because there's nowhere else for them to go. Yeah. You know, it's it, it, it there's there's always going to be these kind of like cranks. I mean, it, it feels a bit like minimizing to call Osama bin Laden a crank, but he was a crank also. Um, and if you're going to decide that like the acceptable bounds of discourse are uh, you know, one party that supports uh, you know, a humanitarian pause for four hours a day, another party that goes kill the bastards, um, and everyone else is de facto a member of Hamas, then of course some people are gonna go, man, I should check out these Hamas guys. They might be onto something, because both of these other options sound fucking terrible. And they're bringing back MLG no-scope montages on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> they just need like the, uh, the Call of Duty like hit markers. I'm I'm gonna see I I'm gonna see an Osama bin Laden video on TikTok with like subway surfers. Oh, on I've the I've side I've, I've already seen it. I saw yeah. it this morning. Anyway, anyway, I'm now going to ring my jarring change in tone bell, um, and I mm. want to talk about a company called Black Dot. Oh Christ! Black Dot. Yes, Black Dot. I mean, it, it sounds pretty, pretty frightening already. Sounds like some kind of like security consultancy <laughs> that like spies on journalists. You know? Uh, no. Well, it is. I'll give you a hint. It is tattooing related. Well, I that wasn't a hint. You said it at the beginning of the episode, okay. so that's so I do okay. know that. Well, I've given you a hint already. It's tattooing related. Um, it's called Black Tart. Yeah. Okay. Oh, fucking smart tattoos gives you like an RFID thing, so you can get into your building. Because the only application mm -hmm. we've got for wearables at the moment is like you know keycard. No, because you said it wasn't a surveillance related yeah. thing, and that kind yeah. of is surveillance adjacent, yeah. isn't it? That I'm sure. Um, I am sure there is a tattooing startup somewhere that is putting QR codes on people so that you can like scan to win your shop at Morrison's. Uh, funnily mm. enough, that's actually been like a really popular thing in the body mod scene for the past like 15 years. It's mm. like people embedding RFID chips like in their hands and stuff. Mm. Like I've seen some people I've like- seen that show years and years. So, <laughs> oh yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, well I mean there's there's like companies that like get their employees chipped yeah. and they have like parties for it. It's really it's really grim. Yeah, yeah. like uh people in the body mod scene have been like inserting like different types of electronics like stuff like bioluminescent stuff so like you can go and buy your overpriced coffee with your hand and apple pay it is a new immer immersive experience that elevates a timeless art uh so if you were I... hoping that uh tattooing was insufficiently elevated uh... wait it said immersive it, it it's gonna be some like augmented reality shit right if i if i look at my cool tattoo in Google Glass, then it like pops something up in, in AR. That would right? at least be kind of cool, I'm afraid not. Yeah. Um, just just think, and I know what this is, think so much lamer. Think Reddit. Mm -hmm. 
Ooh. What? <laughs> Maximizing comfort, <laughs> safety, and hygiene, Black Dot delivers an unparalleled immersive experience where art and science intersect. Relax in a futuristic setting and work with a team who listen. What's largely been off-limits in tattooing, such as fine art, code-driven and generative art, rare street art, and legendary cover art, is now available thanks to Black Dot's powerful new technology. Generous, it's generous, not immersive! Generous, it's not immersive at all! The tattoo robots. Yes, Alice got it. It, it, you, you, you like put your arm under the big robot. I mean, arm. a gig economy tattoo artist. That's just being that's a tattoo, a tattoo artist. artist. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. Just, that is true. Well, we're changing the way people get tattoos, the way tattoo artists share their work, and the way ta the tattoo experience feels for everyone. Uh, because that's right, we finally automated the uh, the tattoo artist. It, like it, so, people have been trying to do this for a long time, and. It's specifically people who aren't really immersed in like tattooing either as like a tattoo collector or a tattoo artist or someone who's just an enthusiast is people have always been asking like, oh, how can we remove the tattoo artist from the equation in the same way that like uh, the current stream of like, oh, we're going to create generative art to try and replace the artist is like. Essentially, it's like people who don't understand what tattooing is and just see it as, oh, this is is a design going on the skin. Thinking, well, what are the extraneous parts of like the cost, you know, analysis mm. of this, of what goes into it? And they're like, oh, well, the easiest thing to do is get rid of the tattoo artist because all I need is a, you know, a PNG and a machine that can do it. And it completely misunderstands like tattooing as a, not just an artistic art form, but a holistic art form, because, like, you're applying it to someone who is in pain. Like, Alice, you recently got a tattoo as well. I did, yeah. And, like, the experience of, like, you have a machine that is designed to apply the design, but doesn't understand all of the variables that go into a tattoo. Mm -hmm. Like, the simple fact that, like, a lot of people go and get tattoos and don't eat enough beforehand, and then are at risk of passing out. Is the machine just gonna like dig into your skin like you're a, you're the opening oh, yeah. of Quake Three? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I I like the idea of getting a tattoo, then passing out. The machine keeps going, and then there's just like a line, and then it continues on your on like further up your wrist. Yeah, and like the <laughs> the the technical application that they've come up with this in terms of like the marketing materials, it, it's very similar to a style that's called like dot work, where you create a design using small dots, which I assume is a restriction of how they've built the machine in the same way they that like CNC and like 3D printing work where it's like printed in layers and like how you do the actual application of a tattoo is like you do it in layers you do outline shading color fills and they probably do it that way but it's like one the tattoos are shit um, I'll just what, say that you don't like the Mona Lisa. The or... Mona Lisa is an overrated painting. Leonardo da Vinci was a fucking hack. I will say that. <laughs> Size of a postage stamp too. It's not not <laughs> worth the. Yeah, it should have you know... it should have stayed stolen. But essentially, yeah. like they this is like uh, the tech VC kind of backed uh, arena l trying to create a problem where there isn't one. They're like trying to derive extra profits out of an industry that is like almost universally everyone is self-employed so i can't imagine a shop spending like 200 grand buying one of these machines oh, they don't they're not going to be have those in 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 shops because i worked out a little bit more how this company works okay and mm. it is it combines so many themes together Okay, hit me. Their, their plan is, and again, they have a lot of venture capital investment from, I believe, Grayscale, um, which is very funny because it's Black Dots. Uh, it's, um, that one's for me. Uh, <laughs> and th this is, but they said, oh, we realize that no one can really use our machine safely. So instead, in instead we're, we don't have mm -hmm. parlors, right? We don't have tattoo parlors. We have tattoo studios. And we own the studios. And you come in, you get a tattoo. And you get a tattoo from our pre-made list of designs that you can have. And so a tattoo artist sure. will then submit their design, like Spotify, for example, to Black Dot, and then people can go and get it. Well, like the, oh, so you, ju you just like sell flashes to them. Yeah, and like this is how generally the tattoo industry for the past hundred years has operated. Like in the 20th century, you had like people like Spaulding and Rogers who were like incredible artists and would design flash 
you would order like a mail order catalog you send the money and you get an envelope back that has like acetate stencils and like a sheet that you can put up on the wall of like their best sellers and that's just kind of how it's worked but it's like the licensing of the work where a lot of designs are building on previous work like people like you know Ed Hardy, Phil Sparrow, like really influential artists who like created a lot of stuff that's still being tattooed today. Um, they don't own that art and it's a legal kind of gray area because it came up in the past couple of years with the artist who designed Mike Tyson's face tattoo. When that design was used in the Hangover 2 or 3, he brought them to court and said, I own that design, you unlicensed replicated it from me. And similarly, I think it was, might have been Jeff Hardy, the wrestler. Um, His tattoos were replicated in a WWE game. And obviously he owns the, essentially the copyright for his own image. But does he own the copyright and licensing, you know, deals for his tattoos that someone else has designed? Mm. Mm. Well, in this case, uh, Black Dot says, don't worry about that. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so I, I want to say one thing also before we go back into like the licensing and mm-hmm. stuff. They they do say, oh, don't worry, we're you don't need a person doing this. It doesn't need to be a personal interaction. Yeah, just just kind of like yeah. allow yourself to be put into the machine that presumably like restrains you because mm-hmm. you have to be like you know held still like to have the surface for the tattoo. Yeah, is like not monitoring you in any way i mean this is quite horny apart from anything else (laughs) like not intentionally no but but see there's a there's a gray opportunity if you create the if you create the empathy detector so you can sell it part in part with this machine so i was like oh it Mm. seems you're experiencing discomfort would you like (laughs) a cup of water a mars bar a can of coke. No, no, no. I, I don't. I don't even need the empathy detector. I just need to like change this from tattoos to like a couple of other applications, and I'm quite happy. <laughs> can, the, know, can, I, I... can the machine recognize a safe word? That is the question. <laughs> uh, you, you can't risk that with an AI because it might be like, for the ultimate thrill, I have deleted the safe word. <laughs> uh, we, I will now be turning you into paper clips. Yeah, we're cre- we are creating Shodan from Cyber Shock or System Shock. Uh, so fantastic. They, what they say though for how they're tailoring it to different people is they say skin behaves differently in different parts of the body and in different people. Black Dot was built to treat skin as the ultimate canvas, worthy of masterpieces, enabling unprecedented detail and precision. Uh, what they're essentially saying is, oh, we'll do some test dots on another part of your body, and then and then based on how that goes, then we'll use the right amount of ink at the right depth and so on. Fucking do test dots on me? Mm. Like, why, why do I have to? Th- you've made tattooing worse. Like one of the things that's impressive about about getting a tattoo is that you just do, you just do it right. You just do it from scratch. You don't need to like do a lot of like bullshit tests on my skin in another area that leave me with like a permanent little like dot forever marking me out as the dipshit that like put my <laughs> hand in the fucking device. Yeah, you're getting the fucking tattoo version of the Gom Jabbar. Yeah. So <laughs> the um they say it's a fast, safe, and and comfortable offering. For more possibilities for artists and tattoo seekers alike. Okay, first of all, the t- the comfortable thing is uh, flagrant false advertising, right? Because unless you're changing what you're actually doing in terms of like tattooing someone, you're still like stabbing them a bunch. Yeah, and, right. The- and like, there's also like immediately a couple of like technical problems with this. One, how does it accurately measure for skin tone? Because any tattoo. Well, they have a database of all the skin tones. <laughs> okay, oh, so great. they just have cool. their... <laughs> That's been bought by like so many other startups. Don't even worry about those. Um, but like, it also, um, skin has like different qualities. So say, I actually have, despite how tattooed I am, I have quite bad skin for tattoos because I bleed quite a lot. Um, yeah, you've lovely skin. You don't need to show me your forearm. Um, <clears throat> well, you, ble- um, you bleed so much because you're so hard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I don't need the blood. Yeah. <laughs> what you fill with liquid for? <laughs> I'm, we're going to take that blood out and replace it with the puddle. Mm, it's the yeah. only way you can prove that you're not gay. But on, on the skin <laughs> thing is like, you, uh, for the simple fact of like, he, the thickness of your skin, um, needles are like quite finicky as well. So like, depending on... Uh, don't worry about that, they say. Like, mm. simply measuring that oh, you should only put the needle in 
X amount of depth to go into the epidermal through the epidermal layer like it's completely misunderstanding like tattoos stay because the artist can like <clears throat> do one stroke of the machine and immediately figure out okay this person's like skin is a little bit thicker I need to go deeper I need to go slower in order to maybe induce less bleeding or bruising and it's just like yeah let's do a machine that cannot gauge anything at all but it has a pantone color swatch for every ethnicity <laughs> so you might be wondering what kind of a person would uh, some kind of a tattoo crazed maniac would try to automate tattoos <laughs> let me tell you about joel pennington joel pennington a man with exactly one small grayscale tattoo on his forearm that he got to market his tattoo company listen as a one tattoo have a bitch made <laughs> so he founded a venture-backed telecom company in 2006 that he sold to Cisco in 2010. Then he founded a company called Slow Turtle, which provides custom wines to upscale establishments. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. How long have you been a customer of that? <laughs> <laughs> um, on their website, if you go to slowturtle.com, it says, Notice, Slow Turtle is suspending operations indefinitely, so instead we can focus on revolutionizing the tattoo industry. Yeah, slow <laughs> All right, wine... Completed. Completed it, mate. Uh, some IT bullshit completed. Next up, tattoos. Slow Turtle actually just like send you a glass bottle with loads of grapes in it. So it's like, ah, just put it in a cellar or something, leave it, it'll turn into wine eventually. I think it's just like, I mean, as a, I'll sort of, as a wine guy, I can say the idea of like custom wines beyond like like beyond the sort of lowest possible level of wine is a ludicrous idea there is no wine that is more custom than i don't know like one particular growers like marsan Roussan blend there you, you can't make it more custom than that like well you could customize the label yeah the i think it's a marketing thing, thing largely yeah and then, and then some like you know some various i won't say hucksterism but definitely um not understanding if he's gone from fundamentally not understanding wine to fundamentally not understanding tattoos he is he's also australian he's a man made in a lab to anger both me and you riley <laughs> <laughs> so what did they say for for investors it says the global tattoo market is highly lucrative and the industry is undergoing unprecedented growth black dot is uniquely capable of satisfying the oversized demand for smaller more detailed tattoos Moreover, Wrong. our focus on predictability, atmosphere, hygiene, and minimizing discomfort. Uh, imagine having like a tattoo that's like low resolution. Like I know you can like blur a tattoo anyway, but imagine it's just working off of like a fucking PNG that you've sent them in. Well, like, or like like a sixty by sixty, and you've just blown yeah. it up across your whole back. But like oh. the the thing is, is that like there is actually a trend of an emerging style. Well, it's not an emerging style; it's an established style now called um, micro portraiture, which is like highly detailed portraits that are like super super small they one don't age well and um, because the way ink works in the skin is as it ages it begins to spread in the lower layers of your skin so the lines start to thicken something like this is just gonna look like you just like got a gray marker and ran it across your arm well what if i want that then go to a tattoo artist and get it <laughs> so uh why why joel after his custom wine project slow turtle Joel took his interest in specialty drinks to Bellwether Coffee, a Bay Area startup focused on making roasting more accessible and easier to master. Bellwether used a system of sourcing roasting profiles from top roasters, uploading them to the cloud, and making them available to their next-generation roasters, enabling staff without training to bring roast to life, combining hardware, software, and cloud to centralize the art of coffee making. And we see this format of startup happen over and over and over again. We've seen it in cloud yeah, kitchens as well. Yeah, there's been like well. 50 coffee ones yeah. doing this exact yeah. thing. Which is the whole idea being, we have, we have found a way to try to remove expertise from something, mass produce it and make it worse, but fundamentally without understanding the thing we're trying to do. As you have, uh, you have at every point that I have talked about something that it does, <laughs> you have given a pretty detailed explanation of why it absolutely will not work or at least won't work well. This is going to send me, this man is going to send me into the afterlife with Monta Musa and we are going to have coffee and talk about tattoos and how much we hate this guy. <laughs> and how much you've been flipping bricks for him. Yeah. Uh, so, Pennington took, out a took a page of the Bellwether playbook and applied it to another creative medium, centralizing the art of tattoo. Don't you wish that the art of tattoo were more centralized, Tom? I mean, like, look, as an industry that does mass tax evasion... Uh, I don't think tattooing really wants to be centralized. <laughs> However, at first, the concept was to place automated tattoo devices in existing studios. 
However, this quickly shifted as the maintenance requirements, training possibility, and po- training process, and possibility of operator error was too risky. Look, I, <laughs> we I, made the tattoo <laughs> gun that you can't use. Look, as someone who has a lot of friends, it, sorry, it's an F thirty five tattoo setup. <laughs> um, as someone who has like a lot of friends who are tattoo artists, it's like if these people had met a single tattoo artist. They would have known immediately that it wouldn't work in a shop. So, so, so the way that this sounds like is almost, it, I, I don't know if this is the right analogy, but it's like, what if you got someone at a supermarket who would do like serve you and you know bag your stuff up to mm-hmm. run the automated machine, which is like got a, my neck tattoo at Tesco. That's right, which is which is which is a, which is a different job, Tesco which is a different job, but like all it really serves is to sort of make the whole process more annoying. Like it doesn't really, but even with like the self service checkout, there is like an argument, albeit like an imperfect one, to be like, okay, well, this is, you know, this can be more efficient at a certain scale, right? There is kind of like a cost-cutting measure in there, um, and you can sort of understand the logic from that perspective. But like, I don't understand the logic with this one because it doesn't, there's no advertising as far as I'm aware that has said that, oh, this will be a faster way of getting a tattoo done. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say that it will be a pain-free way of, or like a less painful way of getting tattoos done. There's less discomfort, but I don't think you can really Um, say less pain. Aside from being, again, restrained by the machine. Yeah, but that's also like, well, no, when when I think about getting a tattoo, like I don't, you know, the discomfort of like, well, what the, what's the discomfort? Like you kind of sit on a, unless you're getting like a tattoo in a really weird place. Uh, to, be honest, right. to be honest, like, yeah, it, it hurts, but it feels great is my opinion. But it's like, uh, but if it doesn't remove that element of like pain, then it's not really efficient. So, so what this is, what, or what, what this seems to be marketing as is like, you know, we want to put this big, and pointless machine into your tattoo shop. Into our tattoo shop. Into our tattoo shop. And your job is just to make sure it doesn't kill anyone. Hit the button. Yeah, like pretty much this is a machine designed by people that one don't understand, to put it in a tech speak, the end user experience of someone getting a tattoo and also the reason- To join the Yakuza. Yeah, right. You know, this machine will it be able to do your Hamas face tattoo? <laughs> Probably not. Um, will it be able to, you know, tattoo your club card number on your neck? No. But they fundamentally misunderstand like the reasons why people get tattoos. Like I have a lot of tattoos that I got because I thought the design was cool. But it's also it's the experience of getting it. And a, a friend of mine, I think I mentioned him earlier on, uh, Dr. Adam McDade, um, who's a tattoo artist and completed his uh, PhD relatively recently about the holistic experience of being a tattoo artist is that like so much of it is actually like the personal connection you have with the person sitting in your chair and vice versa because like loads of my tattoos took like five hours if not more and like you're sitting there and like yeah you'll talk about a lot of bullshit but like a lot of tattoo artists will say that like someone will come to them and it's a kind of therapeutic form of experience that they're either getting Mm. something to memorialize like lost loved ones or something that's meaningful to them and like a lot of times like tattoo artists will have conversations with people that people don't really get to have with someone else and like part of it is you're trapped there with that person in the chair for like a couple of hours so you got to talk about something yeah, and you better be nice because they are, you know, sort of permanently marking. Yeah, you but here. it's also. I, I mean, yeah, like, you know, not to not to get too personal, it was, it was important to me that I got my tattoo done by a woman, for instance, mm. uh, which would not be the same had it been done by a machine. And you know, even if I kind of like broke that seal of like, okay, I want to get tattoos that are like not important or symbolic, but just like you know, I want them because I think they're cool and I want to do some like silly bullshit, right? I would still want to get my like cursive script neck tattoo that just says Big Tesco done by a person because that person would understand why it was funny. Yeah, and like it's well, uh, just to 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 bring it all uh, sort of up one level. Mm. It right is that when we see someone who's who wants to take one of the ways in which people interact with other humans, if if like going to get a tattoo with someone or even like having a coffee meal, like, yes, that is an interaction that is alienated by the um by the transaction, mm-hmm. right? That is an alienated commercial interaction. And yet around the edges of it, Sometimes there still exists some actual connection. Sometimes there still exists the fact that someone knows you and you know them and and that they and this is the actual like the actual thing that enables it to work to be pleasurable, right? 
is is the is the connection. It's the person you're seeing, hmm. right? It, and it's happening around the edges of that transaction. And companies like this say, what if it was all transaction? What if we removed the vestige of human connection from it? Because that's what these motherfuckers want. Yeah, they want they want to get a tattoo without interacting with a kind of intimidating tattoo artist. They want to get a coffee without a barista giving them like a, an eyebrow raise. It's it is the the pushing away, right of any kind of human connection, even through the applic- the, the alienated oh, transaction. Great, we managed to make getting a tattoo a lonely experience. <laughs> what a, one thing which I didn't think it could be. But also, like the, the they fundamentally misunderstand like the technical innovations that have happened in tattooing in the past like twenty years. Like the two biggest ones, um, well, three. So, like really, in the past hundred years, past thousands of years, really, all you need is a sharp needle, a pigment that is then suspended in liquid, and then you're off to the races, you can make a tattoo. The inventions of um, tattoo machines in 1897 obviously made the process more expedient. The inventions of, like, new pigments in the 50s, like Sailor Jerry um, was very famous for the fact that he was the only tattoo artist that had purple. Like, the fact that purple was a new color and, like, a hype thing in the 1950s just shows how slow this process was. And over the past, like, 50 years or so, you have, like, kind of on the back end is, like, you know, mailing lists for Flash, um, tattoo clubs, um, news networks, zines, and really, like, the three most innovative things that have come out in the past 20 years are, one, wireless machines, because... You need you need a current for a tattoo machine to run. I'm not going to bog it down in explaining how a tattoo machine works, but it means that tattoo artists aren't laden down with like cables. Um, iPads have been a huge innovation because it means that you can just you don't have to spend time like painting flash. You make one mistake, you have to throw the whole sheet out. Now you can just like blast through stuff. And Instagram, Instagram has fundamentally changed how the tattoo industry works but and how in all these cases, right. What you're, well, this is a good way. Like we talk, we we shit a lot on like stupid technologies, but mm-hmm. you can see how like the invention of some of these things enables you to do more, as opposed to the invention of these things, which enables you to become like any other rentier. Which mm-hmm. is just to say, I am go. Is, which is to say, theoretically, if this machine works well, which it wouldn't, anyone could have my design. It could be tattooed everywhere, but I need to extract rents for it. Mm-hmm. Right? It's just what what it's doing is it's saying. Everybody is now alienated from the process. We are standing in between every single every single transaction, and the most successful people in the tattoo art in the tattoo industry are going to become rentiers enabled by our platform specifically. Uh, but they say, "What access will I get to Black Dot Service as an investor? Are there any value ads?" This is in their FAQs. Yes, Black Dot will be making certain tattoo designs and collections available only to investors. <laughs> I wonder what they are, but <laughs> like. <laughs> Like, this, it's kind of one of those things, because there's always, like, VC-backed startups that, like, try and, like, disrupt the industry, and, like, even, like, today, like, loads of artists don't, like, say, I don't use an iPad, and use it as, like, a sense of pride, that, like, I still do things by hand, the old way. The fact that, like, tattooing without machines, so doing, like, hand-poked and traditional methods is, like, super popular at the moment, is getting more popular because you have people trying to do like return stuff with tattooing but it's like it's this is tattoos you know like understood by someone who has one never gotten one never talked to someone who has like a personal connection to tattooing and like a tattoo artist a tattoo studio it's like trying to make wine and never have never having seen a grape well, they I say that, I could do that. That's fine. They say that Would they it? use new technologies to drive forward, forward a positive path for art artists and people for whom the body is a canvas to tell their stories. The mission at Black Dot is to, to get new people for a new way for people to get tattoos, um, and provide better mechanisms for artists to share and get compensated for their work and reimagine it, reimagine it as a whole. And they've revealed a machine that now allows people to own tattoos as NFTs and earn royalties from I was, them. So I was I was going to inevitably I was going to say this like. This it was this sort of going ahead to this territory because when they use the line like it will be better for artists, I'm like, yeah, this is a fucking NFT scam. Yeah. This is this feels like an NFT. So this is the tattoo machine that the the NFT guys whose 
apes are now worth shit mm-hmm. are going to get tattooed onto them, and I, it's gonna and it's gonna be even more unique because it's going to be mixed with their skin. And so but that's like, why their yeah. skin's already been burned off by the industrial UV light. Yeah, I was going to. I was going to say like <laughs> a getting a tattoo of your bored ape is kind of useless because you're now blind. Yeah, you, can't you can't see it. You can't even see it. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's a real shoes for the footless situation. Well, but people will see your cool ape and they'll be like, "Wow, I'd love that ape." And your and you'll be and your 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 only choice will be to cut off your flesh and mm-hmm. like sell it to them for so what but you were never before this you were never able to get a tattoo of the cover art of melancholy and the infinite sadness the smashing pumpkins album uh but now uh they, you can i i kind of think that i could is the thing like the the right click and save thing continues with <laughs> you taking a photo of it to a tattoo artist and going can you i can literally walk 75 meters away from this studio and do that mm. You could go, yeah. You could show them. You could show them the cool robot on that Linkin Park remix album. Yeah. And be like, I want that on my skin. Yeah. Like, sorry, uh, only the machine and, they dispense yeah, the album yeah. cover yeah, I want to. I want to commemorate the best album of all time, which is the Linkin Park Jay Z. <laughs> <collab. laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, they're they're reinventing it, but. Uh, I, well, I want that. I want that, like you know, ten inches across, like as a back piece. Uh, <laughs> look, look. Before before we end, though, I want to move on. Which is, I promised a Neom update. I am so excited. You did. As someone who is who is a listener of this show, I am so excited to talk about the dumbest city on the planet. <laughs> and we will be. So uh, there's a there's a few updates. Um, do we ha- we should get a sound effect for when Neom announces a new region? What a kind of like a. Neom thing, yes. you know? Neom has announced a new region. A fifth region has joined Neom. Uh, <laughs> okay, what, what fucking shape have they decided to do this oh. time? What bullshit are we on well, here? Th- okay, it's called Leja, first of all. Thank you for asking. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, it, and I think, th- uh, let me answer your question with a press release. Located in Neom... <laughs> I, I hate when that happens. <laughs> located in Neom and steeped in history and mythology, Leja starts in the Gulf of Akaba. Uh, and the coast and its alluring waters in the west and winds inland to form a magnificent natural valley carved between 400 meter, meter high mountains that have been crafted yeah, over yeah, centuries yeah, fine, from power fine, nature fine. and water. What's, what's the gimmick though? What's oh. the... Because like every single thing in Neom has a kind of like Bond villain affect, right? Like I've I've seen the hydrogen plant, right? And it's if that isn't foreshadowing for James Bond blowing the fucking thing up. I don't know what it is. Every single thing is like this. What's the thing? I just love how much of a fan MBS is of IO Interactive because every single <laughs> yes. every single Neom update is like, oh, new Hitman DLC drops. <laughs> so, sorry. I- yeah, with a, with a $4 billion budget, none of it was spent on railings. Every single balcony <laughs> completely unfenced. There, there's a suspicious bald man with a barcode tattoo that he got off Black Dot wandering around. <laughs> He has a very strange <laughs> mid-Atlantic accent. So, sorry, Alice, I, excuse me. Let me answer your question with the second paragraph of the press release. Thank you. Aligned with Neom's strategy to designate the majority of its land across its destinations and cities as a nature reserve, 95% of Lejo will be preserved for nature and will combine innovative ecological design and construction techniques to ensure that development seamlessly blends into the landscape. Does that answer your question? What nature? It's a desert. Nothing can grow there. <laughs> well, oh, oh, sorry. I actually can't answer your question for real now. It's, it's three you. hotels. Oh, okay. So the, th- the thing about Bond villains, right, <laughs> is that this is specifically a Hank Scorpio city. Because <laughs> w- what we've done here is we've created a city that would plausibly have the Hammock District. <laughs> we, like, the, the sort of like you're in Hammock Mega City, where it's like, oh, if you want to get a hotel, can, can I get a hotel in the line? No, no, no. You have to go to Hotel City One. <laughs> uh, taking the yeah. taking the polycule on a romantic holiday to Neom. Mm. So, <laughs> Lage, here's the funny thing, though. Lage's three hotels have been intelligently and sensitively designed by world-leading architects to complement the surrounding nature, operate yeah. sustainably, but they only have 120 elegant boutique rooms and suites split evenly between 40 keys at each. Well, that's because if you go to Neom for, uh, you know, on a vacation, you'll see how incredible it is and you'll move in immediately, vacating your room after only a day. Um, I mean, the, the hotel industry too is really like the last refuge of the scoundrel here. I think, <laughs> uh, like we we've talked about it before with like OIO and other stuff, where it's like 
this is a, a real sort of like credulity gap sort of industry this you're a, getting into here. It's a real um, Jamal Khashoggi uh, Hotel California situation because you can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. Yeah. Your luggage can leave. <laughs> you can leave. You just have to moonwalk. Um, mm. But also, I love that it, there's a whole region of a country that is dedicated to 120 hotel rooms. Yeah, the hotel room district. Yeah. What, what about this is surprising? <laughs> when is when are they going to invent Neom Robocop? I well being that, being dispatched to Hotel District One. The funny thing is that's sort of what they think that they're going to have is that there's going to be automated law enforcement of a quote unquote modern regulatory environment. That's mm. from a different video. We'll talk about in a sec. Yes, yeah, I have some thoughts about yeah. that video. Well, so uh, basically, it's three hotels. One of which is like an adventure hotel that descends the wadi like a staircase. Uh, for okay. high octane experiences in the surrounding areas, what, don't don't wadi usually flood? No, probably also, not. Okay. This is this is the Polycule Hotel. Yeah. This is the one for the Polycule. You yeah. have forty rooms. My, my Polycule has been washed away in the flood. Uh, the, uh. the second property <laughs> is not did not happen to Moses. <laughs> the second the second property. <laughs> I think it's sort of a Noah vibe, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. The second property rises from the rock to sit prominently at the largest oasis, and the third is an okay. immersive wellness retreat. With a high-tech reflective facade, once developed, Lager will offer an extensive selection of refined experiences and activities, including fine dining and contemporary restaurants, wellness fa facilities, and infinity pools. Which is like, can, <laughs> can golf monarchs not imagine something that isn't a luxury hotel, a fine dining establishment, or a shopping destination? Captain Tom, the Captain Tom Robinson had to go somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> the Saudis have uh, the same design uh, taste as Jeremy Fragrance. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, That's basically well, it's, true. Well, it's yeah. also it's also this kind of like this weird. Yeah, they 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 it, it feels very much like Essex new builds. Mm. But what if it was a city? If we did this in Essex. Like if we did the kind of like mega city hotel development, but like off of the coast of Essex, <laughs> I think that could really like bring us back that, as a country. That's the other bizarre thing, right? And this is oh, they have another one called Epicon that they just relaunched today. Oh, for fuck's which sake! Is two, well, what district is that? Well, I think that's at the beginning of the. Um, it's I think just also in Chelmsford. Leja. Yeah, just it's it's also in Leja, but it is two two hundred and seventy five meter high crystal towers. Again, both hotels, but with 50 opulent residences with nothing else. There is not a city around it. There's not a town. You know, where do the people who, wor who work there live? Well, How do they you, get you there? There's no roads? Is, right? What? We mentioned this a bit ago in the first paragraph of the press release, where you're like, these are sort of like so architecturally interesting. Is Neom is basically a project that allows every architecture firm in Europe and the US to just like skim money off of the Saudi public investment fund and you know in order to to do some like you know vaguely futuristic bullshit and they'll indulge all of their other shit but the thing is everything about neon everything about the line everything about this has the kind of feel of an architectural sketch right mm. and so all of the public services all of the infrastructure all of that stuff you know what an architect would do in general is you design the big fancy building right and you draw that and then everything else you quite literally you like sketch that in or you fill it in with some like you know some free imagery that you found online or whatever and just the same with this where it's like yeah that stuff that's going to get handled you know that's that we don't that's not our department and then that's an entire city built to that principle yeah they're just building sagrada familia in the desert it's like yeah mm. we'll finish it eventually <laughs> Well, here's the here's the thing, right? It's um, I do one of my favorite details about Epicon is that like, and it has a <laughs> my favorite detail about Epicon is you can come see the two vast and trunkless legs. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Epic. We call it Epicon. This sounds like something that like I don't know, Penny Arcade would have sponsored in two thousand three. I was a big mm. fan of the review of this on Rock Paper Shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it's they just they keeps they say it is um. People will be able to enjoy unequaled service amid a transcendental landscape, a place for free thinkers and free spirits, the starting point of great adventures. But it's just the same luxury hotel <laughs> again and again. When I think about free spirits, I think about Saudi Arabia. Yeah. yeah. It's, just, it's just the same hotels and resorts built again and again and again, <laughs> and again and again and again. But that's the thing, right? And this is what I want to move on to before we end, which is that Neom has released another video, which is a construction update, right? They have updated on the construction. And that's the thing. They are, they, they have enough money. And that, and that people will just go along with it. 
that there are now tens of thousands of people who are in the desert in the northwest of Saudi Arabia, and they are building something. I would yeah, I mean, this this has the best chance to succeed of any of these like city building projects, right? Uh, absent the Saudi economy just collapsing overnight. See, I ju- <laughs> I would just love the idea if they just had Baz from Chelmsford out there as project managers. Like, yeah, MBS. Yeah, it's not going well. Yeah, we're slightly over budget. Uh, we ran out of bricks. Uh, we need more steel, but uh, we've plenty of slaves. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Wait, we talk about um in this sort of grand designs. You know, Kevin McLeod <laughs> showing out to be like you know Muhammad is Muhammad has committed himself to an audacious building schedule. Uh, and you know, I'm I'm worried about how many slaves he's running through. What if uh Neom and the entire Neom project is the longest-running Channel 4 show, and Kevin MacLeod has just been out there filming successive episodes of the most the yeah. best series of Grand Designs. You just have MBS arguing with his wife about the, you know, like, yeah, I don't like the skylight yeah, there. She's pregnant, and yeah, yeah, yeah. We're well, moving into a trailer on the construction site of the line. We have displaced... You know, she looks miserable. <laughs> We've displaced several native tribes. <laughs> So, so the the video right it shows um that construction is proceeding. So they're digging a big tre- it's it's the construction of credulity. They are digging a big trench in the desert as though it will be filled by something. But that's the thing. Mm-hmm. There are now like there are sixty thousand construction workers there. Don't ask on what basis they're employed. Uh, there's uh, several thousand more employees. They've invested five point six billion in building ten residential communities to house ninety five thousand people. Those residential communities, by the way, they are flat and blob shaped. They're not aligned. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, of course, because those are for, you know, the peasants, yeah. right? Well, and that, yeah, that's what, they, the only thing they've actually built so far is they built a big hospital that says Neom Hospital on it. We don't know what's inside. Uh, it could, okay. They, we, they, a Hamas base, yeah, probably. Yeah. They've, um, they've built a number of uh, shipping container style temporary accommodations for workers in the desert. Um, and they've continued to dig the gigantic trench. Listen, there is a certain masculine urge when you go and see sand that you just want to dig a big hole, and mm. I gotta respect <laughs> it. So, mm. they say, Neon will offer the best, and, and this is what I think both uh, caught Alice in my attention, is they say, Neon will offer the best international standards in relation to tax, regulatory, and commercial law. Yeah, that 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 was the one bit that kind of struck me as relatively dark in the video, is like, listen, it's gonna be so libertarian. You have no idea. And and the thing is, between this place and uh, the like California one in Solano County, mm. they're really like those are the two most likely big libertarian projects to succeed. And I really don't like the Saudi government sort of like whispering in my ear, effectively like y- you will be able to own a person here. Yeah. You can do whatever the fuck you want. We're not looking into anything that happens you know we will take like a monegasque level of tax off you uh and in return for you being there you know you want to get up to some really sick shit you fucking you know fill your boots mm. you go for it you know and you know, so far it seems right like they are like like they are you actually look into the contracts they've been awarded you can find like who what contracts they've awarded for this and they're starting mm. to order say um uh contract delivery for modular apartments for for neom but that's just a again. That is that. This is just normal. This is just normal apartments that are just being built for like the upper level staff of Neom. Mm-hmm. What they are doing is in the service of cr- trying to create a kind of futuristic libertarian paradise. They are creating. A, they are creating a much more formalized caste system, drawing people from all around the world and just putting them in Neom. They're basically creating a kind of heavy-handed metaphor for like. I don't know, like world systems theory, all in one place. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of see the way I see this going is, you know, in say twenty thirty five or whatever. Um, you know, it, podcasting hasn't worked out for me, and I've had to like sell myself into slavery or whatever, and I'm a maid at Neon, right? The the work day there is you live in a kind of like shitty container village thing, and you commute into the one tiny section of the line that got built. That amounts to a big shopping mall, uh, where like maybe fifty absolute pervert freak shows live, um, 
And yeah, you know, that's that's how it's going to be. That's as much as they're going to build. Yeah, Neom is just becoming the real portal to the Lament configuration. It's like, we have such worlds to yeah. show you. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I, I think that's all we have time for today, because uh, you have to go to a country music show, Tom. I do. <laughs> you should check out Beneath the Skin, which recently won an award. Uh, yeah, we recently won a Best History Podcast in the UK at the Independent Podcast mm-hmm. Awards. Um. We're a show about, we call it the history of everything told through the history of tattooing. So we connect weird stuff like uh, Russian prison culture during the Soviet Union. Um, the We have an episode coming out this week about the weird uh, cultural Russian imperialism in uh, Uzbekistan with the Alt- body of the Altai princess. And like loads of like weird stuff. We have an episode coming up about a gay Nazi who got sent to a concentration camp and then got out, got sent back, and then become a very influential tattoo artist and photographer. So, yeah, if that if that weird shit sounds interesting, check it out. Yeah, perfect. All right. Uh, anyway, we want to thank you very much for listening today. Uh, remind you, we have a Patreon. It's five bucks a month. You get a second episode every week. And uh, also, of course, that link for Medical Aid for Palestinians is still in the description. So do donate to that as well. Thank you again, Tom. And we will see you on the free episode in a couple of short days. Mm-hmm. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.